Good. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast with you as always is Bob live in the lounge staring at the Ouija board. Happy New Year. The first podcast of 2022. You know, I I hope everybody had a great night. I saw a bunch of posts on there saying uh, can't wait to get into my sweatpants and go to the couch. You know, I mean, like, is there any originality left on the Internet? I hope somebody did something that's extravagant. I myself didn't make it to midnight. I fell asleep really early. And uh, I think it's the first time in existence that I just slept through the new year. And uh, I got to be honest, it kind of felt pretty good. You know, woke up pretty rested today to talk about my favorite film of uh, 2021, which is continuing to break box office records. Uh, I think it just surpassed this morning the Lion King that Fabro put out a few years ago. And it's slowly becoming, I guess, the, the largest uh, blockbuster in the MCU. So I figured, you know, who could I get? to talk about this who who better than somebody who's actually been in the mcu you know i mean using i guess nanotechnology his character was trying to replicate or uh, build faces and create disguises uh my hope is that one day they actually bring him back into mcu and hawkeye season two perhaps or something like that but i'm super stoked he, he did some traveling and he went all around the country in the course of 24 hours and now here he is in new mexico to chat the first podcast guest of 2022. Please welcome back to the show, Landale Goosby. How are you, buddy? Hey, good morning. Happy New Year. And I'm Happy fantastic. It's so nice to see you once again. I, I think I told you the last time you were on, I'd bring you back for Spider-Man, you know? And like, it seemed like it was like a world away that Spider-Man would um, enter the, you know, the multiplexes. And, and for a moment there, it seemed like it wouldn't happen. Uh, Spidey just wouldn't swing in there. And I wanted to know, my first question for you was, were you as surprised as I was that um, Spidey defeated, like, all odds, d- defeated the Omicron and, like, all these variants and more people than ever went to the movies? And you know what? I don't think everybody went to the movies yet to see it, which is nuts. I am not at all surprised. I, th- I, I think this was the third release date that it had since the pandemic began. It just kept shifting and it was supposed to have a summer and then I think Thanksgiving and then they moved it to December. And this, they pent up excitement because remember we had, are we able to talk spoilers in this? No, totally, totally. Anybody that's listening to this is already conditioned. (laughs) Spoilers. We had Andrew Garfield giving Academy Award level performances for his denial. He was in this movie and they even had i I loved him i loved him in this he's so good but you know um i just think there was so much excitement what it was going to do uh it doesn't surprise me at all it concerns me because we have omicron running around but whenever i saw it uh the theater was doing everything possible to minimize risk and i saw it twice cool that's really cool. I, I saw it um, during this the course of this last week. I went to a very crowded movie theater that was sold out. I, um, you know, it's weird, like, going into a movie theater when, like, you know, you hear somebody cough or you hear somebody, like, sneeze. Like, you immediately think, oh, am I getting it? You know, like, but that didn't bother me as much as to the people who were sitting to the right of me who must have seen the film already and just, like, were coming here to hang out, I guess, you know? And at one point, like, I'm the nice person. I hate to do this stuff, but like it was like during a heavy monologue sequence where I'm going to find out about 
the backstory of one of my favorite characters from, you know, I think it's when Andrew Garfield's talking about like what he did after the amazing Spider-Man two up there on the roof and they're chatting. And I had to say to him like, Hey bro, like, please don't take this away from me. And he's like, Oh yeah, it's cool, man. We'll be good. And he stopped talking, which was good feeling. But I mean, like I was excited uh, to see it in the theater, but I wish I saw it like opening night with that MCU crowd. You know, I, I've only seen a few films opening night, including infinity and Endgame. And when you go opening night, you know, like it's like your people are there. They understand, you know, one of my favorite videos to watch again and again, I sometimes get choked up even thinking about it is whenever they recorded Endgame, the final scene in the crowded theater yep. and how people were losing their minds, losing their minds. Uh, I saw this, uh, Los Angeles had two luxury theaters called the Arclight and they both closed in the pandemic and the Arclight in Sherman Oaks was purchased by Regal. And so they opened it again and Spider-Man is showing on 10 screens. Wow. And so I saw it opening day at 10.50 in the morning and it, the auditorium seats 500 and there was maybe 30 people there. Wow. It, it's, uh, I don't know if a lot of people knew that theater was open, so it was really easy. But the concern in the back of my mind was, oh, is this safe? Is this safe? Whenever I saw it the second time, I was able to enjoy it. And I was hearing uh, the audience around me that I didn't hear the first time. And it was just fantastic. The second time, there was prob it was the same theater probably less than 30 people again, but it was people who were caught up in the moment and expressing shock and wonderment vocally. And little kids were there and hearing them laugh at things that I thought was ridiculous or corny or just dumb moment. Mm -hmm. And these kids were laughing and I have to remember that this is made for them. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I was thinking about this morning too. Like, I mean, it's, it, it, we're both... Um creative people and we understand you know we read scripts we're in the process of stuff and you know a lot of times like some of the podcasts and some of the social media stuff i've seen people like to dissect this film and like like that's what we do but like ultimately it is made for kids right it's made for you know like people like my son and um i did not take my son to this and i'm kind of glad because he's still five and there is moments of exposition and dialogue where it's like they don't, kids don't care yet. You know what I mean? So I'm like, is it made for kids? I'm not really sure. Cause, and then it made me think, I mean, cause obviously like, you know, the young kids are listening to this right now, but like, um, I never forget being in the theater during amazing Spider-Man two. And when spoilers, whatever, when Gwen falls and like breaks her neck, it's, it's graphic. It was so graphic. I remember thinking like, Holy shit, I can't believe they did it, but I can't imagine what that looks like to a six, seven year old. You know, that's going to be terrifying. Thoughts on that? We have the, the hero always saves people. And in this moment, it's important to Spider-Man in the comic and who he grew to be that yeah. that didn't happen. But that is a traumatizing thing to for a child to see. Yeah. Absolutely traumatizing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was traumatized because of the way it was. But I mean, like, I guess that trauma, that trauma, I mean, definitely has its pay. I don't want to say payoff, but like, his character arc, you see he's still like struggling with it. And I just, I love that so much. And it's like, we'll get to that later. Like, I guess we, the best way to do this is to start off the, the, the film itself. Like, you know, like picking up right after the last one with Mysterio, you know, telling everybody, you know, who Peter is. I love that, you know? I love how like the stakes in this film have always been like, kind of like in, in this trilogy, I guess, have always been like haywire, you know? 
like, hey, Tony Stark's dead now and you got to take all his stuff and figure out what to do with it. Oh, what? Like, they're not traditional ideas. And this film, I mean, like, I tried not to have anything spoiled, but I mean, it was really hard. And like, you know, you find out that there's these classic villains returning. You immediately go into your comic book mind. You think, oh, they're doing the Sinister Six. But they really didn't do that at all in this film, which kind of blew me like there's a moment where you're like you're like ah here they are they're all forming up in the cells and then there's this moment where like it just completely changes and it's like it's aunt may and it's the whole you know um inciting incident of like you know with great power comes great responsibility and like i didn't realize that when i was watching this film we're essentially watching the true origin of the mcu spider-man you know they told the trilogy in reverse Yes, yes. Yeah, he started off a bit powered up. Yeah, he started off with everything. And there wasn't that moment. Uh, We didn't, I didn't miss Uncle Ben. Uh, Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman have, I think, the most often told origin stories that don't change a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how much Spider-Man's had changed. They just didn't mention Uncle Ben. And it and while I knew that, I loved that they did that. We didn't need to see it again. But Spider-Man has to have a loss to maintain yeah. who he is. And I just liked how they told it in reverse and seeing that moment at the, uh, with Aunt May and then uh, where it leaves him in future movies. Yes. He is at the starting point. I, I love the ending. We can skip all around here. I mean, like, you know, obviously, you know, people who've seen the film, you know, people don't remember who Peter is. And like, you know, it takes you a minute to really process that. You're like, oh, nobody knew who he was. He never had the Stark tech. He don't know Happy no more. He doesn't know, you know, like there's some questioning online, like does he Marty McFly disappear? Whatever it's like we said, it's for kids, right? <laughs> you know, but um, I love that that last shot is him and like the, it almost looked like Tobey Maguire's apartment too. You know, I thought it was Tobey Maguire's apartment for a second and I didn't get a chance. I've only seen it once, but like, is it? It's not the same set, right? It didn't occur to me to look. It, it, it looks I, like it could be. But the fact that you see him in this dingy apartment, you know that this is like the Peter that I, this is the Peter I was familiar with, like growing up as the one who's like poor and like makes his costume. Like you see the costume, you see the bright blue, you see the red. And for a minute, it still didn't register with me. Like I'm like, what? what is it? Oh, he's now the Spider-Man that I read as a kid. He's completely on his own. You know, nobody knows him. And like that great scene where he like knows that he can't be friends with Ned no more and he can't, you know, have MJ in his life. It's always like the thing about Spider-Man that I love where it's like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. But like he Spider-Man can't risk his loved ones being in jeopardy. And it's like I've always loved that about Spidey. You know, it's like I don't know if other heroes really care that much. You know, Mm -hmm. Spider-Man seems to like care a lot, you know, and I've always loved that about Peter. And Tom Holland's great. And I hope that the MCU allows him to have his natural hair. I love his natural curly look. They keep flattening it, you know, or straightening it. I'm like, what's going on with this, dude? He looks cooler with the bigger hair because Spider-Man kind of has a big head, in my opinion. <laughs> That's what I liked about Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man when he first came out, especially in the second one. They made his hair look so cool. It was like flat, but like big and, the, you know, and like I was like, oh, that's Peter, you know. But I guess. OK, so here's here's another question, right? Now you're well versed in all the MCU, so you, you you've watched you know everything like I have. 
and everyone who's listening, you understand that there's events at the end of Loki that take place. You understand that there's events that take place in WandaVision. Did you think going into Spider-Man No Way Home that the um, resolutions of both Loki and WandaVision would play into the spell being disturbed? That's what I thought. I So to answer that, the progression of what I thought Marvel was going to do was without the pandemic, their release date was WandaVision, uh, then Doctor Strange, then Spider-Man. And then Loki was going to fall somewhere. I'm not sure if they had announced exactly where. So I, I expected it to tie into... Uh, so I was confused with Doctor Strange. They walk in and these two people are sh- shoveling snow. And yeah. my mind immediately went to, this is what was going to happen in Multiverse. S- the snow, these people who are acting strange... Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that that was a progression from something we hadn't seen and it was already filmed. That's what I made up in my mind because they, I think they just said that there was a portal that wasn't closed, but who are these people? And it just brought up questions. I kept having that a a throwaway line could have fixed. Oh yeah. These, Mm -hmm. uh, and so I felt like there were some moments from Dr. Strange's point of view that Mm. weren't unanswered but i also think that they reshot they're reshooting a lot of dr strange right now yes so wait multiverse of madness was supposed to come out before homecoming or excuse me uh no way home yes because uh and then dr strange was supposed to come out last spring right and then yeah and then i did read that whole report where they're they're reporting back and they're getting all these new cameos of people to be in the um the film but yeah, like that scene, I forgot about that. There's like people shoveling snow. But what I took away from that scene was if I was a writer, I would probably say to myself like on that, like, okay, so Dr. Strange can't get back to Peter because why? He's the Sorcerer Supreme. Nope, he's not the Sorcerer Supreme no more because he was absent. And now, um, Wong. Um, drawing blank, dad brain. Wong. Wong. I was going to say Ming for some reason. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. But Wong is now the source of Supreme. And he doesn't want anything to do with this. And he tells Strange no. And if you also recall, in the beginning of like um, when the trailer broke records, there was like this whole online Twitter community being like, Dr. Strange seems weird in this. Is Dr. Strange really Dr. Strange in this? And if I do recall now thinking out loud, there's a scene in the trailer where he's on a train and he goes like this and like there's like all this metal around him. And they're in like New Mexico or something, right? That wasn't in the Uh, film. It was in the film. Uh, Yes, because whenever I saw it the second time, I remember thinking, oh, this is from the preview because he's on a train and then a bunch of cylinders suddenly circle. Yes. Is that that when he's in the, um, sends him into the, um, the one spot? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yep. For some reason, it's around that time where he uses his uh, math. Oh, I love that part. (laughs) The geometry. Yes, it is true. Yeah. You know, it's cooler than magic math. Yeah, it was a great scene. But yeah, people thought like Dr. Strange wasn't Dr. Strange in this. I was like, it is. <laughs> it's Doc. There, you know, uh, who is the devil figure? Mephisto or Nightmare? Yeah. Mephisto. I, it feels like the fans have been putting him in every show. Yeah, everything. I mm-hmm. thought he was going to be in WandaVision. 
And then I honestly thought he would be in this because this uh, storyline has been done in a different version with Mephisto. One more day. Yes. Everyone mm-hmm. gets Spider-Man. So it's like they pulled little moments and made a new story with those. Yeah, I'd like that they do that. Because it's like, it keeps things interesting for us, you know, as like readers of the books and stuff. Um, when the spell happens and uh, there's one one scene that's great is like when, I guess it was like the spell happens and then, you know, they start to appear out of the world, you know, uh, we first see Dr. Octopus, you know, and it's that realization that, you know, he he's straight from that universe and, you know, uh, more things start to shake up. And then I guess it's like when they start to be in prison that you really find out what the film's going to be about when Aunt May says to Willem Dafoe, by the way, to have Willem Dafoe back as Harry, Dude, it's like he's he's having a good time in this film, especially when he's talking like the Green Goblin, Peter. And like, mm-hmm. I did not see that coming. Aunt May being like, you've got to fix them. And I'm like, of course he's got to fix him. He's a scientist, you know? And like, I always kind of thought, thought this, I always had this feeling for like the past, I guess since 1989, when they killed Jack Nicholson at the end of the Joker. Spoiler again, whatever. But you know what I mean? Like, why do we got to kill the bad guys? They never died in the in the comics. Never. I mean, maybe, but they always came back. You know what I mean? Like, and I always felt that that was like such a shitty thing about cinema, comic book films was like, they're dead. That's it. You know? And, and it's yeah. like, it's, it's like not like kid oriented, I feel, you know? You know, um, I agree. I, whenever I watched it the first time, I was watching it just for plot. When I saw it the second time, I was picking up moments and character mm-hmm. beats, just like Aunt May, this this is who she was. She worked in a soup kitchen. Mm-hmm. She was trying to help people. And I don't know that that was played up so much uh, before, but in this one, they just come right out. This is who she is. And she has the uh, moral center to say exactly what she did. You know, we have to help them. This is what we do. I liked all that. Um, the very first 40 minutes, uh, it was as if it was just trying to get from point one to point two. And it felt like there was a lot of improv and not writing. Yeah. And yep. I, I got, it wasn't the easiest to sit through because I felt like I was just waiting for the next plot point to come up, which then it finally did. And we went to Dr. Strange and then it became what it was. Yeah, it's weird too. Like when you're like in the middle of those scenes where you're like, ah, uh, what's going on here? You know, like, I mean, like, uh, I also read that like, you know, the writers had to, I mean, like they, they didn't know if they were going to get back their Spider-Man. They did not know this. And it's like, how do you write that movie? Not knowing if Toby and Andrew are coming back, you know, I read that they both got a million dollars to do like 30, 25 minutes of screen time or whatever. That's great. Um, but like I heard that they had to go back and rewrite the whole third act. And then like they were somewhere last Christmas around this time, um, finding out that they got them. And then that's when they wrote the whole Ned scene where Ned opens up the portal and like, you know, and I thought that was kind of kind of cool to do it in a small, it's a small scale type thing, you know, but the whole time I kept thinking to myself, like, I don't know. Cause I'm so like, um, screenplay oriented with the goals or excuse me the rules of the universe and i'm like okay so like you're bringing these guys back you're gonna save them you're gonna make um otto octavius normal again 
But when he goes back to his timeline, right? Because we watch Loki and we're talking about these, you know, <laughs> things going on. Just because you you changed him here, does that mean that when he goes back to his other timeline, that he no longer is, uh, you know, possessed by the tentacles? Uh, does that mean when Harry goes back that, you know, excuse me, Norman goes back that he's normal? Like, because the, the, the cure happens in this world, not that world, you know? And I kept thinking like, huh? So what does that mean then? Like they go back and now like they're just existing in Toby's world. Like, I, I don't know. What was your thoughts on that? Uh, I try not to think about it too much. Yeah. Then, it, then I get lost and then I start enjoying my experience less in the memories. I think Loki created a, the idea of variants so that if they want to pick anything up like that in the future, it's going to make sense to us. Yes. I think it's it's probably unlikely that they're going to pick up a lot of this stuff, but it's what gets us who enjoy or anyone who enjoys it's something fun to talk about. Yeah, and you know, weird. comic book. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, Doug Gaskin uh, was in my elementary, and he didn't read comic books, but I had to wait for him to show up to school so I could tell him about a comic book I read. That was my only person to talk to about comics. And he didn't even read them, but he would have those conversations and it would be like yeah. this. What do you think would happen? Well, did, and suddenly we have written a whole run of comic books just in uh, uh, playground banter. Yeah, like in your mind, too. Yeah, I used to do the same yeah. thing with like I remember when Secret Wars came out, like before there was Secret Wars 2, I was writing Secret Wars 2 with my friends, you know, and like being like, what's this going to look like, you know, but um yeah, I, I, you know, the, the whole idea to save the villains, I did not see that coming. And I was like, OK, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm on board. And then I also then was like, how did like I wanted to go back and watch the uh, electro scene. And like, so did he get his upgrade because the electricity in this world is different? <laughs> like, I don't know. How did you know, he get that uh, upgrade? They, <laughs> the second time I saw it, they he said it just feels different. I like it. And so I do think it was this world gave it to him and they. This, I missed it the first time, but the second time he did talk about it just feels different here. And mm -hmm. so I just made up, oh yeah. So now he's no longer blue. Blue. Fluorescent. Yeah. But he was and, blue when he first came here, right? When he first shows up, he is blue. So I don't think, I don't remember seeing him blue. We just saw a figure. Uh, yeah, a figure. And it was just electricity coming out of it. He spoiled it too. What was it, like two, three years ago? Like he posted on Instagram, like, uh, let's run it back, <laughs> you know? And like everybody was like, yes, oh. I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah. He, he's like, let's run it. And then Alfred Molina just came out and was like, yeah, I'm in it. But I mean, they easily could have just been like, here's these villains, but then like, you know, have no um, Spider Man. Um, I was also, you know, I, I don't even know, like, I didn't even get a chance to look this up. Maybe you know this. Is Thomas Hayden Church actually in this film or is that all old school footage? Uh, he's in the film he is credit he's in the end credits it's his mm -hmm. voice and then at uh whenever he has his character moment that is actually him that is actually the actor on the lizard who didn't have who changed didn't yes. have any lines but that is his likeness because he's in the credits did they use b-roll from other films for that i i don't know about him i'm gonna look into that because it, i just kept thinking like was Thomas Hayden Church like filming sideways too? Like, did they just save money? Because I guess it's like they own the likeliness then and they could just, you know, you could do whatever. But I mean, yep. 
I just kept thinking, like, where are they at? And then I was like, okay, so where's Vulture? You know, and I kept thinking Mysterio is going to pop back up, but it never happens. But, um, you know, we get to the part where, you know, I guess it's like really what, like what sets us off is um, there's this, this crazy scene where, like, his spider sense is tingling. And there's nothing really going on in the room. And he's walking around, and then he pinpoints, you know, that the Green Goblin is now back. And that was a great scene. Um you know, and it's like him and Electro now understand that, you know, like they don't need to be fixed. They're, you know, I think there was a scene in the two I really liked between, yeah, Sandman and Electro talking about they both fell into something. They both got into an accident. And like, um, it was Sandman saying, he's like, yeah, I fell into a Hadron Collider. I was like, <laughs> it's yeah. funny, but like, you know, and then like this is where it starts to happen. And this is where, you know, um, things start to go haywire. And then, is this, this is the point, right? Right where she dies. She dies. Is it the midpoint or is it? The, it's not the Dark Knight of the Soul. She dies at the end of Act One, right? Yes, because uh, right after that scene, they battle in the building, and Green Goblin yep. just keeps pummeling him through floors, and then they get to the lobby, and Aunt May comes out the fire escape uh, yep. in the lobby, and then they have their moment with Green Goblin, who called his glider. That glider is going to get people every time. Every time, every time it sounded the same too. the special effect of like when, you know, it, it almost sounded the same as when it stabbed him in the first one. But, you know, that happens. And then the scene is playing out and you're thinking like, oh, dude, is she is she dying? And then I kept thinking like, oh, this is the first scene in the film where it's like, I don't know how many takes it took to get that emotion emoted. But like you feel it from both of them, you know, and I think that that's her greatest performance right there in that one scene. And the whole trilogy is just like. And then you realize it's the speech and you're like, oh, wow. You know, like it's a cool moment for a Spider-Man fan. And then also a tragic moment for this MCU's version of Peter Parker. She gets hit and she said, oh, it knocked me on my ass. And then they're talking and she's standing up. And then she says, with great power comes great responsibility. And then she has to sit down. Yes. So it, in my mind, the first time it was all her when she was sitting down. That was just, she got a good death. She got a good character yeah. moment that uh, will be remembered for the ages. Yep. And it was, it was what it needed to be, but it was terribly tragic. Terribly just, tragic, yeah. And, and it's like, you, I didn't even know that that was in, you know, you don't think that that's going to be a plot point, you know? And then obviously it is, and Peter, you know, feels like shit and just retreats and that's when they're looking for him. And that's when, you know, I guess this is the part of the film where everybody, you know, like, I'm surprised that they, I mean, like they didn't spoil it, but they did kind of, but I mean, like some people didn't know, right. I can only imagine going into the film and not seeing this coming, but all of a sudden uh, it's revealed that Ned has magical powers, which I thought was cool. Kind of playing into the whole hobgoblin thing too, like later. Um, and there's like this whole scene too, where, um, you know, uh, between uh, Ned's mother, it's kind of going viral right now online because there's no subtitles in the um, Tugalog, I think it's the language that's being spoken. And like, uh, I just thought that was cool. There's no subtitles oh. in that one scene. But yeah, here we go. He opened the portal. You see this dark alley. You're like, ah, who's the first one coming through? And I knew it was Andrew Garfield right off the bat with the way that the, the head was shaped. But it's just, got, I, I didn't, I couldn't believe that it was, 
I, I don't even want to, I, I guess this is just my truth is that I was more excited to see Andrew than I was Toby. I, I, I don't know why. Cause like I grew up with Toby first, but I didn't really feel much from Toby McGuire's Peter Parker in this. I didn't like, I, I felt like Andrew was like putting every, his, everything into it, but Toby felt like it was like, a, I don't know. How did you feel about that? Uh, I thought if I were scripting, I'd say, okay, yeah, introduce Toby first. And the fact that it was Andrew and when I, I, it takes me back to whenever I was a child and I get so choked up when I was watching it both times, I was getting choked up and whenever he takes off his mask, it is just, and I think it's uh, also his acting ability. He was just, he's that Peter Parker. He leads with his heart and Mm -hmm. it was, it was just such a, wonderful moment i didn't know who it was i was hoping because i had avoided all spoilers oh cool i had avoid and i was kind of believing andrew garfield and i was thinking oh this is going to be toby mcguire or or i was thinking it could be another version of tom holland somewhere in a multi i don't know i was make i was genuinely surprised yeah I, so, I thought the same thing too when there was a different electro i was like oh he's a variant but he wasn't a variant and that kind of threw me off but then you know, Andrew Garfield, when he comes through, yeah, like the whole thing with like, uh, I don't believe you're Spider-Man. Stop throwing bread at me. Uh, fine, I'll crawl on the wall. Like it's total Peter Parker, you know, like total. And I just like that guy. He's a good actor. Did you ever see Under the Silver Lake? I've seen every one of his movies. And that is I, re- a, I really like that's that. Movie. Odd, that's an odd movie that I enjoyed. It's so weird. I recommend it for anybody listening who is uh, like avant-garde creative type i used to live in silver lake so it's like or like near it i worked in the starbucks in glendale and i used to drive around that reservoir all the time and i just like that movie because it's so weird and andrew garfield i mean he just has like a like a character in that that i related to um he's great in silence you ever see the scorsese film silence yeah so good in that and then you know it was great to have him and then like you know i didn't think that we we're gonna have toby like back to back in this like living room scene it kind of tells what i was saying before like they wrote that scene in december and i guess they had to like you know like ha- if you think about it too like from like a, a writer's production they're like okay we got toby and andrew but we need to shoot them both on the same day we need to have it like one location like how do we do it like let's small scale it down to ned's house you know and then they come out in ned's house. nobody probably would see that coming when they open up for the portal for Toby, I get there's like jokes online that, you know, what, what are they calling him? They're calling him a youth minister or something like that. The way he's right. dressed. It was, it was great to see him, you know, and he does the wave, you know, and like, I, maybe it is because he is now the elder statesman Spider-Man. I also, do you think he's like, he kind of says like, he's not in a relationship with MJ, but he is in a relationship with MJ. At one point I thought Toby was going, excuse me, Toby's Peter was going to say, we're doing well. My son's, you know, like I, I thought that Toby had a spider son with MJ. I would have written that, you know, like just because it's in a comic right now, I believe. I think yeah, KG Abrams wrote one. There's son in, in that line. There's a lot of stuff he's saying. In one, what line. is he saying there? Uh, I the second time I was, um, he said something, and he said. Uh, but you know we're working it out. We're working it through, and and then he says MJ and I, and but there's so much that he's not saying in those lines that we get it. You know, um, yeah. It it was a really nice moment. His Peter Parker. You know, 
when those movies came out, I, he was perfect. There was a lot of special effects. When I remember it, I remember the special effects, the fights, and his Peter was perfect. And then whenever they did it with Andrew, Andrew was more Peter Parker. Yep. I don't know. I'm making this stuff up. But no, you're, was, you're, you're right, though, in that. It, like, Toby was Toby's... It was a different Peter then, you know? And, like, I don't know. Like, I, I recently... I went back and watched the 2002 one. And it's like, Toby's got a... Like, you know, he's shaved, but he's got a beard. But he's, like, pretending to be, like, he's 15, 16 years old. It's like... But I believed it when I was 22. I was like, yeah, okay, good. This is it. Um. It's a different Peter. Yeah, you're right. I didn't really think of that. You know, I mean, I, I do. I do love the whole organic, you know, like you don't have this coming out of you. Where else does it come out of you? Like, and I realized, you know, that uh, that picture of the Spider-Man pointing at each other online, like actually yeah. happens in the film. And I didn't realize that until this morning. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's great. But the interaction between the Spider-Man, when the Spider-Man go to um, P- uh, MCU, Peter one. And, you know he's having the worst moment of his life and two other guys named Peter Parker show up and say, we've gone through the same thing. You know, I thought that was a cool scene. Um, there's a scene too, I believe where like you look up and the two Spider-Men are up on the roof, like the silhouette. I, at one point, I think there was a talk online too about this. I think Kevin Smith might've said this on his podcast, but he thought that we wouldn't get Tobey Maguire in the Spider-Man suit the whole time. He would just be dressed like that. Did you think that? Oh my goodness. I hadn't thought of that weird right but then he's like i got it i got the suit and he like he shows i was like okay cool um and this is where the movie just really you know like then i'm like all right forget it i don't care how they got there i like that the peters are now working together in a lab you know i love that scene i thought it was so cool i mean and they're all like getting to know each other like i could like that could have been a television show you know like eight episodes of just peters like working stuff out in the lab and then going out and fighting crime was great you know and this is where uh, I think storytelling has evolved since the um, original Spider-Man is before there was a storytelling structure and it was kind of the same in all of the movies. And now the structure is just look at our new Spider-Man homecoming. It, they just blew it up. And now they focus more on the people under the suits. We know Tom Holland's Peter Parker so much better than we actually know Spider-Man in a lot of things. Mm, and so right, yeah. this is the first time where we got to see all those Peters working together. We saw their personalities and who they were that I don't know we saw in previous movies. That just wasn't where our storytelling was at the time. Mm, I remember when point. Spider-Man 3 came out, I think, or maybe Spider-Man 4, they were talking how they needed certain action figures to go with it. And I think that he, that made the that version of it just stop production people were the filmmakers were not on sam raimi's spider-man for you i did read that yeah yeah. and it was just like yeah even even one venom he didn't want venom in spider-man 3 but Mm -hmm. i think a producer was like you're not you're doing all the classic spider-man villains you're not doing what the fans want first and right you know i it's weird how you they still do this with like um like a superhero film where they think that they should cram a bunch of villains in and not spend enough character time on the villain to have like a villain have the same type uh you know effect that um like javier bardem's character in no country for old men you know like he's scary as hell i want craven to be like that when they do craven craven's got to be terrifying you know not just like i'm out here to hunt you know like it's got to be cool 
uh, back to the film. I mean, like, obviously at this point, like uh, the Spider-Men are, they're uh, about to hash their plan out. You know what I mean? And like, they got to save them. They have like a, a moment too, where they get to see uh, that the MCU Tom Holland's science is on point, you know, like they're like, Oh, he is super smart here. And I like that. And like, you know, you start to see a little bit more of at this point, Toby's starting to like, um, like, I just felt like he was like the older fit. It's weird. It's such a weird thing. It's like, He's emotionally sound individual, it seems, you know, Andrew Garfield's not yet his Spider-Man. And, you know, Tom Hollins is still struggling to find out who he is as Spider-Man. What a great way to go into the third act. I didn't I didn't watch the trailer, so I didn't know that the um, the final confrontation would be taking at the Statue of Liberty once again, like the X-Men. With the um, shield. With the shield. Captain- the shield. Yeah. With such a cool little throw in there, you know, like. And then the fact that the the, uh, the torch is under the shield, right? When the, the shield falls later, it's like, oh, they didn't get rid of the torch. Okay. But um, yeah, something about the Statue of Liberty, it's always like this spot where, I mean, it happens in Superman 4, happens in Remo Williams. It's always like the the focal point of like, I guess, like a classic 80s or, you know, nine, was it 99 when X-Men came out? And I was on board. And then there's like the one shot, too, where you see that they did actually remove the other Spider-Man in the trailer and everyone was going crazy. But I guess my this the, is the best part of this whole film for me. is I like, you know, it's like people are talking about online. It's when MJ falls and Andrew Garfield reaches out, catches her. And like there's like two lines of dialogue there. Are you OK? Are you OK? And it's just two lines of this. It's the same dialogue. But like what he does in that moment. I, I lost it. I was crying. You know, I was just like, that's that's what I I paid my ticket for that. That's such a payoff because it's like it's total redemption for his character. But at the same time, it helps you as an audience member who also I suffered PTSD watching Gwen's neck being broke. You know, I was like, how's he ever going to recover from that? And I love that that scene so much, you know, and Andrew Garfield, like you said, like just destroys the screen there, you know, just so well done. And I kept waiting for a Toby moment like that in a way, you know, I guess he gets stabbed and the whole back like joking thing again, you know, like, oh, my back. I like when he cracked his back, but it, I kept thinking they would do something for Toby that they did for Andrew, you know, like as a screenplay yeah. writer, wouldn't you do that? Like maybe have Aunt well, May show up or something. I don't know, like something. I felt whenever he stopped Peter from stabbing yep. Norman, the thing, I felt like that was his moment where he was having to because peter would have killed him and he stood stepped up and that's like no great power great responsibility do you and did you th- like initially that, think that toby was dead peter parker's yes put, oh my yeah yes yes <laughs> i absolutely thought that and they set it up in my opinion for that so whenever he's like oh you're in pain yeah but i've been stabbed before and, and i had a big sigh of relief you know the yeah. Um, we have three different Peters at three different ages and they all honored their age where, uh, you know, Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire, he was more mature. The other one, he was still working through his grief and where he was in life. And then we have a guy who's just still fresh and they maintained that throughout. It was only Tobey Maguire. He was the only one who could stop him from stabbing Norman. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did think he was dead though. It's like, uh, and the whole theater shrieked, thinking this is it. And I couldn't hear him say, 
I've been stabbed before. And I'm like, I had to go back and like read something online. Like what, what's the payoff line there? Just cause people were just so um, affected by it. But yeah, I, I read something. Uh, some people thought at that scene, that that point, like all the ant maze would come out of a portal <laughs> to stop uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. Uh, I also read that there was people who were hoping that happy would show up in the Iron Man suit to aid the Spider-Man because he was so um, mad at, um, you know, Norman for killing the love of his life. And I, I, I thought that would have been great. I hadn't thought of that. You know, it was, but it's still a Spider-Man that would have taken away from Spider-Man, but that would have, yeah, totally. I could understand that. Yeah. Or something along the lines of him, like holding up the statue of Liberty. Cause it doesn't fall on some, I don't know, something like that, but happy got played, you know, like happy. I also read that happy was supposed to die in Iron Man two or something. And they changed it. But nobody thought that Happy would and May would be together. It's sad they're breaking up, you know, and stuff like that before she dies. But, you know, it has it has like, all the villains get saved, you know, and you see their transformation occur. And then, you know, Dr. Strange is just sh- he shows back up. By the way, he shows up right at the end, too. It's been what does he say? It's been like 40 minutes or something like 12 hours, 12 hours in there, right? Because he's not the source of 12 hours. He can't. He can't get out of there, but he just shows up right at the end. And then this is the part where I thought like, oh, okay. Sky's opening up. I think I saw Craven. I saw somebody with like a something, you know, like. I think I, I saw I don't Craven know. and Scorpion, and then I couldn't figure out the others. I, I don't know. I mean, like showing that, then given like the end of Loki, you know, and like the way it looks, like I kept thinking like, oh, like, and then like when Doctor Strange is like, I can't hold them, they're coming. Like, I thought like for sure there'd be like one more surprise or one more cameo or I don't know, something that like, you know, I read stuff online. People were like, oh, this is where Venom was supposed to show up and fight Spider-Man, which honestly doesn't make sense because it's like, does he, does the symbiote, like how does this Brock know Spider-Man just because the post credit scene, like, I don't know, we'll get to that in a minute, but like the ending, you know, it just sucks to see them leave, you know, like they're hanging out. It reminded me of like, for some reason, the set of, um, I think it was Batman and forever <laughs> Robin. And I think Robin tries to kill two face or something like that. It's very similar. Remember that mm-hmm. Robin tries to kill two face and Batman stops Robin on the washed up shores of like the, not Statue of Liberty, but the <laughs> the fortress. I just didn't want them to leave. And then I kept thinking, like, how do you bring them back? Because obviously people want to see the Spider-Man back, right? Or an Amazing Spider-Man 3. What do you want to see? Do you want to see Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man 3 fighting Venom and all the other Sony villains? Or do you want to see Spider-Man? I, I think I want to keep them separate. I, I want to see Amazing Spider-Man. I enjoy Toby. I think he's done fantastic. I think his story's done. And I think this was a nice farewell for that character. And I say that because I also think, I don't know if he wants to come back. The last movie he was in, I think was um, the Bobby Fisher movie. And that was like 2013 or 2014. So, you know, but I think, I think there's the way we tell stories. Now there's a lot of interesting stories that he could tell if he wanted to. And if he said, yeah, I want to come back they would throw money at whatever project he wanted to do for Spider-Man. I'm but sure that Garfield talks. though, that's all the talk right now is that they want to do amazing Spider-Man three. They want to have, 
Tom Hardy's Venom face off against Amazing Spider-Man three, or excuse, you know, Toby Andrew Garfield. Sorry, so much Spider-Man <laughs> to talk about, but. I don't know. I just want to see Andrew Garfield again. I, it, I like I like Tom Holland, but something that did Andrew did in this. It just is like, oh, dude, like that's I didn't realize that's my Spider-Man, you know? Well, again, I there's know what it is about three different ages and three different yeah. brothers. And, you know, there's the middle child who gets lost. And my mm-hmm. one of my favorite lines is whenever they huddle and he's like, I love you guys. That's that's what a middle child would do. Keep the family together, you know, gotta mm-hmm. apolog- do all of that. Just his excitement for all of that, that he, in my opinion, represented uh, myself and perhaps a lot of the fans at just the excitement. I've always wanted to have brothers. Just yep. the excitement of where he found himself. He couldn't believe he got so lucky. Yeah, it and made him like just, complete. Yeah, and whenever they're like, uh, Peter one, Peter two, Andrew Garfield was happy to be Peter three. He's like, Peter three, Peter three. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. He was thrilled so with that. He's like, yeah, I'm more part of it. And yeah. that I just, I, it was just, he was just excited and represented my excitement for what I felt. I loved how they didn't know how to work together. Yes. That was great. And was a loner. And he's like, well, I worked with the Avengers. What's that? Are you in a rock band? It's <laughs> such a great line. You know, like, that was a great scene though, where they're trying to like learn to work together. And that's the scene where they all pointed at each other, like you're Spider-Man. <laughs> and it made me laugh and the whole theater laughed. And, you know, it was just, you know, at that point, everyone's just on board, you know, and like the whole theater's loving it. And, you know, Spider-Man, MCU Spider-Man goes up to Dr. Strange. He's like, I can't handle this no more. Instead of saying to him, Hey, can you just make people forget about Mysterio? He says, can you make people forget about Peter Parker? And, Doctor Strange delivers that line, says, you know, uh, people you love won't remember you. And that's that's it. Basically, the the spell happens and then nobody remembers who Peter is. There's all this debate online, like how do people like not remember him? He goes out of high school, this, that or whatever, whatever. It's magic, right? You can't explain magic. So I think that ending happens. I think the line was uh, they won't remember you. It will be as if you didn't exist. And or erased. I should have looked this up. Those are two different things he said. Dr. Strange did. Mm. And whenever I heard erased, I thought, okay, actually now I can live with that. If that's how I take it erased, because uh, MJ is going to have pictures of Peter Parker on her phone somewhere, Mm -hmm. unless that was all erased. So did he just kind of disappear? Is he, there's no school record. Is he just truly a blank slate? Wow, yeah. And and I don't know, but it. whenever I heard it the second time, I was able to relax in my little fanboy brain of trying to explain how does that work? Because when magic is concerned, you got to just kind of sit back and say, okay. Yeah, I'm on board, yeah. yeah yep. I, so, I mean, like, you know, he goes into that apartment then, then you see, like, you know, like you said at the beginning of this podcast, it's like a reverse trilogy. It's like him starting out with nothing at the end of the trilogy, which I thought was great. And it's like, it also like quells like the, the people who were upset that it took away from Peter Parker's origin story because it involved heavily Tony Stark tech, you know, and like he had all these gadgets and like, I thought like, Oh great. They silenced those people. And then like also put Spider-Man in a really interesting spot for 
Spider Amazing Spider-Man four, whatever it's going to be called, you know, like what can you remember another trilogy that ended with this the main character like losing everything? <laughs> it never happens that way. And, and just he now has to be Spider-Man on his own. And I just and he even, you know, the picture of the sewing machine and he made his own. It, it just an interesting way I didn't expect to happen, but now it opens up a lot more stories who's peter parker it puts the emphasis back on peter instead of what suit is he going to wear he's been in outer space and he's got this he's had it easier than our previous peters yes and when we talk about magic um ned when he goes into dr strange um he's like ned says two lines my grandmother always said we're magic my grandmother thinks that he said something about his grandmother and him being magical. And then Dr. Strange sensed something in him at one point. And then Dr. Strange says, you opened a portal? He's like, yes. And he's like, hmm. So I think they're leading, they could lead up to something. Sony owns Spider-Man and all of those characters, including Ned. Marvel owns everything else. So Marvel and Sony, their agreement is, okay, Marvel will help with this Spider-Man movie and Doctor Strange will be loaned out to them. Marvel will make a movie and they'll loan Spider-Man and that's how they share back and forth. So it would be a Spider-Man universe, magical net, if that's what they wanted to do. You think I, Ned will become the Hobgoblin? I don't. Yeah, neither do I, because it's like, that's easy, you know, but it's like the scene where like, you know, it was a good scene though, where Toby says, um, my best friend tried to kill me, you know, and like it really hits Ned to the core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see where it goes. I also think that the Ned that's in that coffee shop, I only saw it once, but like he's like very focused or something, right? He's getting to MIT. His, his, he just looks, feels different there. I don't know if they're setting that up for the next one or whatever, but regardless, the ending was so good. At any point, did you think, I love those ending shots of Spider-Man flying over New York City, right? Did you think at any point where he's... Uh, this would have been so fanboyed out, like, but I would have done this just for... I don't know. Like, He's going over Rockefeller Center and you see the Christmas tree. Wouldn't it be cool to see the Christmas tree just falling and you realize it's taking place at the same time as the Hawkeye finale? Like, It'd be great. Oh. <laughs> right? But yes. why wouldn't Spider... Then, then I'm thinking to myself, like, why wouldn't Spider-Man intervene then in the, in the finale of Hawkeye? But... Um, you know, it just I, I'm excited to see what they do with Spider-Man next because it's like it's also an interesting time between Sony and Marvel. You have no idea what's going to happen next. You have all these different Spider-Man projects, you know, that they want to do. I think they are filming Craven. Um, I've never watched the Venom films. Um, have you? I saw the first Venom and um, I enjoy Tom Hardy and he is 1000 percent invested in that role yes yes he is fantastic in it it is not my i don't get enjoyment from the film i don't really have a love for the character so yeah, i'm of, oh my yeah. gosh venom venom but i enjoyed watching it for his uh acting in it tom hardy he he can do pretty much any movie he wants i would imagine he chose mm-hmm. this he's having the time of his life and he is 100 percent in that world do you think that, I mean, obviously the post credit scene, you know, um, 
Eddie's there at that bar. And uh, I believe the actor it's across from us from this from Ted Lasso. I don't know who this yes. actor is. Do you think that the um, that the symbiote goes to him or do you think there's an Eddie Brock in the MCU? I, I'll, I'm sure there's Eddie Brock in the MCU, but Marvel. When it's Marvel properties, they don't have to do they don't have to do that. They don't, oh, yeah. I don't, they, I don't think they would ever go Eddie Brock first. They may. But they couldn't though, right? Because Eddie Brock is Sony. It's a Sony owned character. Oh, that's, that's a good point. Yep. Hmm. Now, so would it be interesting Venom, if the, if Venom became, because I do, do know that Venom in current line of comics becomes Flash. What if Venom becomes our Flash Thompson of the MCU? That'd be weird, right? Like. Yeah. I, you know, the, because I feel like the Ted Lasso character, football is life. Mm-hmm has a certain star uh, meter right now. So mm-hmm. for him to be in kind of a brief scene, I feel like there could be something there. Why wouldn't they get someone else? They got him. He's going to cost a so little you, bit more money. I don't know him that well. Would he be a good Venom? I, I think he absolutely could. You know, it just, yeah. yeah, I'm game for anything. Listen to me. I'm game for anything. Yeah, Sam, I'm, I'm game for anything. I mean, like, I've also, too, like, I've never been um, the Venom character. I mean, there's a couple comics. There's one where Venom takes Peter Parker to a, an island, and they duke it out, and they find out that Venom doesn't like certain noise. I forget that. It's Amazing Spider-Man something, 312 or something like that, but I don't know. I mean, like, I, I personally want to see the Craven story. I want to see the spider being hunted, but I don't know if that's, like, a possibility now because nobody knows... I mean, Spider-Man's just starting out now. Like, it's not like everybody knows who. He, that means Craven doesn't know who he is. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Morbius film. I want to know what's up with that Spider-Man on the wall there. Does that mean that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is from Morbius's world? So many questions. Who is Michael Keaton in that world? The variants. <laughs> this is too much to go around. My son's five, and he has questions about this stuff, and I'm like, I, you know, I'm not really sure yet, buddy. You know, but we'll find it's out. Fun, you know. Oh, it's my fun. God, it's so much fun to explain to him. Uh, you know, like he was asking me the other day, like who the Red Hawk is. And I showed him a picture of Thunderbolt Ross. And he's just like, but isn't he the guy that's chasing Bruce? And I'm like, yeah, he is. <laughs> and like, you know, his eyes light up and he's like, oh, like he wants to. Um, today we're going to watch uh, Spider-Man 2. And um, I haven't seen it in so long. It's weird to watch those old films again, you know, but I've been on a Spider-Man kick and um What's the next MCU film that comes out? Do you know? Doctor Strange, right? Uh, Doctor Strange in the spring. Mm-hmm. And then Thor. Yes. And then I'm we not, don't... Oh, then Ant-Man and uh, Quantum yes. Mania or whatever. Yes, yes. Which, which apparently, I don't know if you know this or not, but I heard Bill Murray's in it. I just heard that as well. And he is somebody who lives in the microscopic universe, right? which would be crazy. And it's so perfect, really, to have Bill Murray's comedy like from this microscopic universe that Ant-Man discovers. And this is going to be the first version of Kang after Loki. Which would be great. I, I love the, that last episode of Loki where it's just dialogue heavy for like 10, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on in that scene. My son didn't last during that one, but whatever, you know, but I'm excited to see what they do. And, you know, the one thing I can say is like after far from, you know, I I kept thinking like after the Spider-Man film, we'd have some more insight into the multiverse. We still haven't yet. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like we don't know yet. 
we have just like the little bits from Loki and Wanda, but we don't really know where like that trailer too that they show at the end of Spider-Man. I, there's a lot of stuff that could happen in that film. Don't really know, you know? I am excited though if there is an evil Doctor Strange. I loved evil Doctor Strange from the What If book, uh, cartoon. There is a, when Doctor Strange opens a door into space, there's a young girl standing behind him. And mm-hmm. I think she's been I rumored to be not a Captain Marvel. I forget who she would be. But there, she's a she's a young girl with dark hair. And so whenever they showed that, people on the internet were just like, oh my gosh, and I cannot think of who she is rumored to be. But I think this uh, movie is going to just explode a lot of new things. Do you think that they got the X-Men? I, it's possible. They're doing so many reshoots right now. We hear cameos. That's what a cameo is. Exactly. I mean, like, it also makes sense for them to just show up and then just exit, kind of, and then you get your own version of it later. Who knows? But is regardless, so in Doctor Strange, is Tobey Maguire back with Raimi in I, this anyway? I heard that. I mean, like, that's what I heard. It would make sense, right? Like, wouldn't Sam Raimi be like, look, I'm going to do this, but can we get Toby in here for a little bit? It'd be you know, great. That's where I originally heard, and maybe that was a uh, red herring to throw us off Spider-Man. Probably something like that, but um we covered a lot today thank you for being my first guest of uh 2022 sounds weird happy to say new that year. you know happy new year to you friend um you're just gonna have to keep bringing you back because this was a great hour-long chat about all the things that we grew up loving once again thank you true believer appreciate you. you and thanks for making the the travel and you know making this work on a that most people on the 1st of January wouldn't be so jovial like ourselves in the early morning hours, but we are, we're here and we're feeling really good. So <laughs> I wanted to wish you again. I would rather year. be. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, definitely check out LG stuff. I uh, got a link down below where you can see his reel and other great things he's done in the, I guess, what the 10, 15 years I've known him. And I just continue to wish him success in the new year and uh, health and prosperity. My name is Robert, and this has been another episode of The Bobcast.